0: Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to
1: present the following podcast.
0: Amazing conversations so far, and the day is very far from over. Here to discuss the amazing developments occurring on Stellar Blockchain is Stellar Development Foundation, Justin Rice, VP of Ecosystem, alongside CoinDesk, Zach Stewart, Deputy Global Editor. Hey, everybody. We're here now. I'm Zach Stewart of CoinDesk. I'm joined by Justin Rice. He's the head of ecosystem at the Stellar Development Foundation. We're going to bring the energy. This is a late night show. We're going to have some fun here and we're going to get right to it. I want to tease a little bit of news. Uh, Well, actually, you know what? I don't want to do that. I want to say first, hi, Justin. How are you?
1: I'm great and super happy to be here, ready to get into it. But what's the news? What's the news?
0: Well, I mean, The news is you guys are doing a little something something new, right? You know, when you think of Stellar, you think of like a cross-border payments, remittances, fast cheap payments across borders. That's what I think of when I think of Stellar. And all of a sudden, I hear that there's a proposal in place to make an automated market maker native to the Stellar protocol. Can you tell me about this and where this fits in in Stellar's DeFi ambitions?
1: Yeah, it's it's a good point that you raise. Right. Stellar is designed for cross-border payments. It's a you know, it's a open source open participation network that makes it really easy to issue an asset um, to issue assets that represent real-world currencies, um, specifically fiat currencies and to connect to existing financial infrastructure um, to allow people to essentially create stable coins that are backed by reserves. It's Designed so that those stable coins can basically interoperate. You can not only hold any kind of or create and then hold any kind of asset on a ledger, make payments in those assets, but you can also exchange assets. And so someone can essentially create an asset that represents a real world currency in one endpoint, right? one market, one jurisdiction, and transact across the Stellar network without any counterparties to essentially convert that asset and make a payment that arrives in its destination and is sort of off ramped through another um, local provider who has issued a stablecoin in that jurisdiction in order for that to happen there has to actually be a liquid market that allows the exchange of assets from its inception stellar has had built-in order books order books essentially take like the ledger itself not only tracks accounts and balances but it also keeps track of if you want to make a, an order to buy or sell an asset it will sort of place that or on the order books compile like uh take all of the orders and sort of compile them together into a single set of order books. And then orders execute trades execute when orders cross, right? So that's a very traditional way to exchange assets. Um, but there are some limitations to the order book model. Like order books are great. They're very easy to reason about. And for a lot of assets on Stellar, they've served to create good liquidity. But in order to sort of create liquidity, you have to put orders that live on the order books And that requires a certain amount of capital. You have to have capital to put those orders. And it requires a certain amount of sophistication because it's a fairly complex thing to do to keep those order books stocked and to respond by adjusting them constantly based uh, as prices move. So, of course, automated market makers, they were a development that was sort of realized in the DeFi world. And on other networks, people basically realized that instead of having these sort of manual orders that you place on the order book, you can create an underlying algorithm and allow people to pool assets and to execute trades based on that algorithm. And in many other ecosystems, obviously we've seen the growth of automated market makers and they have done a great job of democratizing liquidity provision. So for us, right, Stellar is designed for cross border payments. There is this great model for a a method for creating deeper liquidity or liquidity for long tail assets. And we realized that we could on the protocol level, make some changes, introduce new operations, new kinds of transactions, introduce liquidity pools as a first class ledger level um, sort of uh, idea, and allow developers to essentially build on top of Stellar to give users access to deposit liquidity into those liquidity pools, thereby potentially bootstrapping overall network liquidity. Long answer, but basically, liquidity pools and AMMs by creating that functionality on, on, at the protocol level on Stellar, we give developers the ability to give users access to liquidity pools, which in turn leads to greater liquidity on the network, which in turn can bolster cross border payments.
0: Okay, got it. So it's in service of the original mission, but it's a new tool to get it done. Um, I think it's also interesting because it gives you know the end user of that payment potentially the ability the ability to do additional you know, financial functions without leaving the Stellar ecosystem. I think that's potentially really interesting. Is there a vision for some of those products that might be, you know, value additive to someone on the receiving end of, say, you know, a cross-border payment?
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I, I work for the Stellar Development Foundation, we're a, a nonprofit organization that supports the growth and development of the Stellar ecosystem, and we sort of shepherd the code and h- help make connections in the ecosystem, and serve as a speaking partner to sort of regulators and policymakers and at blockchain summits. Um, but ultimately, what we're doing is creating tooling for developers to build products and services that end users touch and already with the development of automated market makers we added these at the protocol level but we really uh, rolled out the protocol in a different way than normal Um, normally what we do is that we sort of get input from the ecosystem to make a protocol change and then we make api changes because most people access stellar via horizon this a network level api and and developers really in the past have only had access to that api to test and start to develop on top of that protocol change when we've upgraded our test network, which is a month before validators vote to upgrade the uh, the, the public network, the mainnet, right? This time, we actually um, started working well in advance with the ecosystem, and we started asking questions. We released early versions of an API spec. We released uh, a, a mock environment. Uh, mock api environment and we created something called a future net which was basically like a bleeding edge test net all before we'd settled on the protocol changes all before we'd settled on the api change part of the reason for doing that was so that ecosystem developers could say how does this work what are they planning to do to to sort of create the tooling does it meet our needs and what we've just and as a result when you know when the network upgrades assuming that the public valid the validators on the public network vote to upgrade the network immediately these products and services that these ecosystem companies have built will be able to offer users access to deposit into liquidity pools and you know the products and services that people are building by giving those that ability to deposit liquidity it is adding value right most of these are Stellar wallets are uh, front-end exchanges for the st- Stellar decentralized exchange, and suddenly the people who have accounts in those wallets can deposit liquidity, and you know they they by depositing liquidity they get pool shares, right? And so I think what we have already seen, even pre-launch, is that there's a lot of value added for the wallets and interfaces that are built on Stellar. I think once the launch happens, um, we will continue to see more, and I think. To, to answer your question, a lot of what the ecosystem will decide to build, I'm really interested to see. Um, obviously, we don't control it, but I think that having a new feature and exploring it um, is something that the ecosystem will continue to do, and I think we'll end up with some pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah, it seems potentially really big for you know an ecosystem that's been chugging along for a number of years now. The thing I want to ask because we've seen a lot of it in recent months is that, you know, the foundations that are supporting a lot of these base layers are rolling out really sizable incentive packages for projects to start building on these green fields, especially in the DeFi space. Are there any incentive package liquidity, liquidity mining ideas, uh, other that are kicking around in SDF's head in terms of making sure that stuff is built once you guys roll out this protocol change?
1: Yeah, well, it was interesting in the, in all the conversations that we had leading up to this protocol change, where we asked the ecosystem what they wanted, um, I, th- that actually drove the protocol change. Like ecosystem companies were saying, we believe automated market makers should be introduced to Stellar and we believe it should be done at the protocol level. So the actual impetus to make this change to the code was driven by the ecosystem already. In fact, like not to get too technical, but the way that ecosystem or protocol changes happen is that there are these open... Uh, proposals core advancement proposals and there were actually a couple that were created at the same time that specified how to add automated market makers and eventually this sort of we ended up with kind of a synthesis of a number of proposals and so for building interfaces for automated market makers we the foundation have not provided any direct incentive rather we decided to put our effort our development effort into this feature because there was a strong desire for automated market makers in the ecosystem. I mean, that said, part of our role is that we do have Lumen allocations. So Lumens are the native uh, network token that are used to basically pay gas fees or network fees and and network reserves. We have a Lumen allocation um, that we, the SDF, do distribute and we have a very clear mandate. Um, We actually have like a page, right, that you can go to and you can look at the SDF Foundation mandate, and we'll show you every account that holds Lumens, what program each one is destined for, and you can actually watch in real time as we make those payments. And so there are a number of grant and investment programs that we have that are just generally to support and grow the ecosystem. You know, there's an enterprise fund where we invest in stellar-built companies, there are infrastructure grants that help people who are building sort of important. Uh, uh, vital infrastructure that's necessary for businesses to build on Stellar. There's a community fund where the community has a say uh, that's open participation, like open application. Um, and there are also grants for basically for bringing on currency endpoints for what we call anchors, these on-off ramps, et cetera. So if you ever want to kind of see, there is a very well-evolved grant program and it's all very public because, you know, again, we're foundation, we work in the open. You can watch us allocate those limits.
0: I will watch you do that. I will look. I will see those things happening in real time. That's my job. Yeah, you, keep you, us honest. We're watchers. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking of, you know, Avalanche, Phantom, Near recently rolled out something like an $800 million incentive package. Uh, it seems to be the flavor of the moment. I'm just curious what's going to emerge now that you guys have some additional functionality. I mean, is this like, is there a likelihood that we could see like household name AMMs uh, integrating on Stellar in the near term?
1: That's a great question. I, you know what, I'm for it.
0: Okay, consult, your, consult the crystal ball. I, yeah. I, like, I don't know the future, I don't know.
1: I mean, it's like anyone can build it. One of the coolest things about working for a foundation, working for an open participation network is that we do provide this great tooling. We do collect feedback. We do work to try to serve the ecosystem and we support the ecosystem. But what's cool is that like the projects that come that get built on Stellar, oftentimes they surprise me. You know, we don't, we don't control them. Um, we don't have a say in who gets to build on that network, And that's a great thing. And so it means that there's like this sort of green field for innovation where any, and it, it, you know, Stellar is also very developer friendly. Like there's a lot of great tooling. It's very accessible. There is a low overhead to getting to get building. And also it's not very expensive. Say if you build something on the test net and you want to deploy it to the main net, you, there's you just have to change a line of code. There's not there's not high gas fees. Right. So there are so many projects, you know, that are building on Stellar right now. That surprised me. There are DeFi projects like yield blocks. There are chains being built to other networks like Pendulum. There are NFT platforms like LightMint. All of these are things that have just found Stellar useful. They found it to be the right place to build. And so they show up and they get building. So if the, you know, in a way, it's like who's going to build on Stellar next? I there are many great possibilities, and I'm excited to see good stuff.
0: Good stuff, me too. Um, let's talk about some of the interesting partnerships that you guys have booked in recent months. Uh, the one that stood out to me recently was the MoneyGram partnership. Uh, you know, MoneyGram has a uh, a storied history of uh, crypto partnerships, notably with Ripple, uh, working with them in the past until the SEC alleged that XRP was an unregistered security and Monday Graham decided to terminate that relationship with Ripple and then they signed with Stellar. So I think that was really interesting to see uh, that development. I think uh, obviously like with a lot of conversation around specifically like the El Salvador Bitcoin uh, law potentially being really disruptive uh, to the money transfer business. I'm really curious about, um, you know, that MoneyGram partnership specifically and what that meant for the Stellar Development Foundation when you guys booked that one. What's like the inside story of, of how the MoneyGram thing came to pass?
1: Yeah, the, the the MoneyGram partnership is quite new. And right now it is basically in a, a if we are, let me see what, the pilot stage is happening now. And the plan launch is in Q1 of 2022. Um, And what's cool, what's different, or what's interesting about the way that MoneyGram and Stellar are integrating is that MoneyGram already has so much of the money transfer business figured out. They do a great job with so many things. They have tons of locations. They have tons of agents. They handle effects. They are in markets all over the place. They're very accessible. And so rather than trying to say, let's stick Stellar rails in the middle of MoneyGram, let's replace what's working with blockchain, what we are actually working like what the pilot for MoneyGram is actually doing is allowing Stellar projects, Stellar built projects, specifically wallets and applications to connect. You know, if you're plugged into Stellar, you can connect to the MoneyGram rails, which means that if you build on Stellar, if you build a wallet, an application, a product or service on Stellar, you will be able to plug in and pay out to all the MoneyGram locations. And so... Rather, like this sort of takes advantage of the strengths of MoneyGram and the strengths of Stellar. It makes it so that everything that MoneyGram is doing well is suddenly accessible to a new breed of developers. Um, and I think that it could be transformative, right? Especially if you take something like improved network liquidity and add to it just these, like uh, the ability to connect your wallet to a network and pay out to locations all over the world. I think it's sort of, it will, it's a pretty amazing thing for someone who's building. Um, But again, you know, we're we're sort of in the pilot stage now. The launch when it happens will be early next year. And ultimately I would like to see Stellar connect to, you know, the 150 million people that use MoneyGram and also provide an opportunity for a whole new um, sort of kind of customer to have easy access to digital assets because they'll be able to cash in and cash out at real world locations that already exists in agents all over the world. Um, and I think that's pretty pretty amazing. Like, I think that that is disruptive in a way, but it, what it really does is that it it takes advantage of blockchain's ability to, to sort of uh, plug projects together um, to allow for this amazing kind of cross-border payments, um, cross-asset conversion, and, I, you know, I think it takes a, it, it. Stellar does a good job of connecting with traditional financial infrastructure. I think this is kind of the perfect example. Like it will boost, take what's good about traditional financial, more traditional financial infrastructure. I mean, MoneyGram is an innovative company, right? But it it will take MoneyGram's innovation and sort of use it to boost Stellar and vice versa. And
0: uh, with this particular thing, USDC is in the mix too, right? So I'm, I'm curious about that. USDC has uh, has run on Stellar for a while now, but this particular money agreement uh, partnership involves USDC. Can you speak about how USDC fits into the equation with this one?
1: Yeah, so USDC is obviously a well-known asset. Um, it's issued by a consortium um, that is sort of trusted throughout the industry, and they've issued USDC on multiple chains. And uh, USDC on Stellar is cool because Stellar is very well-tuned for payments. It makes it really easy to transfer USDC. It makes it great for cross-border payments um, it, because it's fast, because it's cheap, and because it's incredibly accessible. Um, and USDC can, become, can be used as a settlement asset for almost any kind of cross-border payment. So I think in the background of the MoneyGram, Um, Rails, right, across the Stellar Network, transactions will be occurring in USDC, and payout will be handled by MoneyGram at their locations. And I think that there's this sort of hybrid model that's arising with USDC, where USDC can be used on multiple chains, USDC can be held by people throughout the broader crypto ecosystem, and it can be sort of converted at cash out points because of that sort of universal access that it offers.
0: Got it. So I think like, I think especially in payments, you know, there was sort of like crypto payments 1.0 and, you know, seller pioneered a lot of that. There was several other projects that were looking to pioneer that. Uh, I feel, I kind of feel like lately, like crypto payments 2.0 is what we're seeing now. And instead of relying on some of these like true like crypto assets, they rely on stable coins such as USDC and others. I was just curious if you had any thoughts on that evolution and how sort of the crypto payments, especially in the cross border, border space with any number of these projects are seemingly relying uh, on, you know, fiat backed stable coins much more than they had been in the past. And I was wondering, like, if that was by design, if that's sort of a natural evolution of where this sector is heading or if there's something that is lacking from your perspective in that current approach.
1: Yeah, it's interesting i mean stellar was always designed with stable coins in mind the entire idea was that there would be a network that makes it easy to issue assets and that what we call anchors but essentially are stable coin issuers would connect to that network in local jurisdictions and by basically creating sort of like a universal plug and socket system where um issuers or stablecoin issuers in various jurisdictions can connect to one another and transact on a network, the whole idea of Stellar Anchors, which was there from the very beginning, was to facilitate cross-border payments using fiat-backed assets, using stablecoins. I think there's something very natural about that progression, right? Because digital assets are great and sort of the trustless nature of blockchain is great because you end up with a system that allows for transparency, for stability, for redundancy, for accountability, right? There are these ledgers that anyone can join, anyone could participate in and that are kept honest by the nature of the technology itself. But it's cool when you plug that into actual real world existing financial rails, because in daily life, people still transact in their local currencies. And so for me, it's a very natural evolution in payments to say, how do we take local currencies, digitize them so that they are no longer Siloed, right? So that we're connecting disparate financial infrastructure, but we can, but where you can sort of withdraw it back into local currency as necessary for real life. And there's like still, you know, as wonderful as crypto is, there is also real life where you do need local fiat currency to transact. And I think that that's going to be true, I, I think forever. Um, and so it feels like taking this sort of best things about a blockchain and connecting them to existing financial infrastructure, which again is what Stellar is designed to do, feels like the savviest way to go about connecting the the world to allow for easy payments and for financial access.
0: Okay, so so follow-up question. What is your personal view of CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currencies, and does the Stellar Development Foundation like have a view on a potential CBDC future?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. At SDF, the foundation, we do have a you know a working group that works on on CBDCs. We recently published a, a white paper about how Stellar is a good fit for CBDCs. We've worked, um, you know, to to talk about with uh, with uh, the Ukraine uh, to to sort of start to think about how CBDCs might work. Um, As a technical advisor, we've worked with them. And, you know, we're putting together a a CBDC work. uh, There's a CBDC challenge in Singapore where we're submitting sort of like a proof of concept. Stellar is a very good network for CBDCs. Again, asset issuance is good. Uh, it's, It's sort of as easy as adding a ledger entry so there's no complicated smart contracts. Stellar is set up to interoperate with existing financial infrastructure, which is good for CBDCs because the CBDCs, again, can connect and you can allow for asset exchange, issuing them on a common ledger would prevent the world's financial infrastructure from recreating the silos that exist in today's infrastructure. Uh, you know, I think for me, I would love to see CBDCs issued on an open network because I think that's good for all of those reasons. It prevents silos, it encourages innovation, it leads to a world that's fully interoperable and, I hope that central banks consider that as an option. I'd love for them to use Stellar, but if they don't use Stellar, I hope they use an open network or a series of open networks that can interoperate. I don't know if they will, right? Like central banks have their own concerns and I'm not a central banker. Um, you know, I know that they they have they have to be protective of their national currency. They have to be conservative. They have to think about the populations that they serve and they have to think about monetary monetary policy in like a way that I don't. I don't have to, right? But I believe they should issue on a public network. Um, I just don't know if they will. I guess it's it's a question for the central bankers.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I guess when you see like central bankers and regulators and Capitol Hill sort of like gnashing its teeth about, you know, whether it's Facebook's Libra now, DM now, the Novi uh, pilot launch that involved a stablecoin. I think it was the Paxos Standard stablecoin, USDP. when you see uh, all this hand-wringing from regulators both here and abroad, like what are, your, what are your feelings about that? What are your feelings about that as it relates to like making payments more open and accessible to all?
1: I think we, and I include you in this, like you and I and everyone in the blockchain community has a role, right? And a duty to try to interact as much as possible create as much educational material as possible, teach the world about the value of blockchain. And some of that I think means working with regulators and legislators and central bankers to help them understand like sort of the value that blockchain and that open networks can bring. And so I think when I see all that gnashing and I see all the hand-wringing, I think, okay, I want to help provide as much support to have a good conversation as possible to overcome that well-founded anxiety that these people have.
0: Hmm, that's, that's good. That's a constructive, that was constructive. All right, I will take you up on this challenge and I will see if I can be equally constructive. All right, last question. I just wanna wrap this up sort of in terms of uh, personal personal perspective, right? You've been with the Stellar Development Foundation for three years now. You were in the Stellar ecosystem before that for a couple of years. I just am curious in, in your, historical perspective on where things are in this crazy bull market of 2020 2021 how is it different from last time around what are the things that stand out to you as particularly strange i know i'm seeing all sorts of strange stuff every day but i'm just very curious for your perspective on that having again that historical scope that some people in the industry don't
1: yeah i mean i feel like crypto attention uh, blockchain attention in sort of or the public's attention span i 'll say the public 's attention for blocks chain related activity, right the amount of attention that they pay and it ebbs and flows, but it seems to always be trending up right and this time there 's just like a lot more going on there 's a lot more innovation there 's a lot more to capture people 's imaginations there 's a lot more crazy stories um, but there 's also a lot of value that 's been created there are a lot of really interesting projects there are a lot of on, on stellar for instance where we 're trying to create these cross border payment corridors there 's a lot more real Transactions. There are a lot more payments and stablecoins happening across borders than there were last time. And so I think whereas before there was a lot of potential, now a lot of that potential is starting to be realized. And I think there's continues to be this sort of innov- like uh, explosions of innovation where interesting ideas are being explored. So it's like sort of both a stronger foundation and like more fireworks happening at the top. Um, and I think it will stay like that. Even if, the, even if the public's attention wanes a bit, I think it will, it will always return back. You know, People will pay attention to blockchain over and over again. And I hope that every time they do, there's more to see, more substantial things to see.
0: Well said, Justin. It's been fun talking to you. Let's, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there on that note. Uh, this is Justin Rice over here. He is the head of ecosystem at Seller Development Foundation. High five, high five. Ready? High five. Wait, no, do this. Do it this way. No, hit me Hit this me way. over here. Uh, no, this is, this is. Okay, ready? High five. Ready? Go, boom. There it is.
1: Okay, good I'm work. Like, I'm not well good done. at high fives in real life here. We um, are so not Zach-
0: really good at being coordinated. This has been a pleasure. Um, Justin, what are you going to say?
1: I was going to say thanks, Zach. This was a pleasure. Oh, well, thank you. I
0: appreciate you doing this. This was fun. Uh, we're going to toss the keys to the organizers and they are going to keep you the la blockchain summit humming with the next guests so for zach seward i say goodbye i wish you well and we'll do it again soon thanks everybody